Hello to all my Spanko weirdies. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hey, everybody. It's Chris. Hope you're well. All things considered. It's so nice to uh, be able to do this again, to be able to show up in your ears again. Tuesday, maybe I'll help you out through a drive or when you need to shut up the world at your desk and uh, not not be uh, living on Zoom and you just want another human's voice in your ear. Hello, hello, hello. A bunch of things to tell you about today. One, beautiful follow-ups is back. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that every year we do a, a Stitcher Premium uh, series where we follow up with a bunch of past callers people who you know it's really it's so nice because we have such a we have over 200 calls and and so many interesting people and uh the first episode's already out it's with 39 year old grandma i think a lot of people remember 39 year old grandma lover remember that she and i had such a joyous conversation and uh you're gonna want to hear it that joy is still there between her and i she also tells us some very honest things about how the past couple years have been going and it's uh it's tough. It's tough sometimes, but it's grandma. So you know that uh, there's still a lot of love there. And the next one is going to be with the uh, secret half-brother. We're going to get updates on if she has figured anything else out with that. StitcherPremium.com. Use code STORIES to get a free month. I got some shows coming up. Pennsylvania, 925, doing an outdoor show at Steel Stacks in Bethlehem. It's a great venue. Sweet people uh, who run it. I love it. Been there before. Psyched to be back. 927, I'll be in Royersford, Pennsylvania, at a place called Soul Joel's. It's a show on a beach along the Delaware. You bring your own chair, your own beer, your own food. Somebody once brought a uh, ping pong table to one of their shows. That's their big thing. They're like, oh, people at our shows get crazy. Somebody once brought a ping pong table and set it up on the beach. I was like, do you know my fans? Because we're psychos. Okay, the people who like me, they'll go big. I want people, you come to this show in Royersford. If you're in South Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, it's right there. It's right, it's like 40 minutes outside of Philly, Wilmington, Allentown. I want you showing up full body, full head Philly fanatic outfit. I want you guys showing up dressed as whoever. I want you bringing full on popcorn machines, moon bounce. Somebody rent a moon bounce. Let's go big. See you there. 925 and 927chriscath.com for tickets, Pennsylvania. Okay, this week's episode is fun and fascinating and weird in all the right ways. Our caller was raised by psychics, and you hear me giggle a little bit. It's with total respect that I say it. This caller is very open to talking about what that was like, how head-spinning it could be. Her her mom was almost murdered in a commune when she was young. The whole call is really interesting I felt like I clicked with the caller in a really fun way. And I think you're going to enjoy this one. Now we shall hear what it's like to be raised by psychics. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hi, is this Chris? It's Chris. Oh my God. I actually got to say, is this Chris? Hey, I'll tell you that I'm good. That never gets old. It always is flattering. People (laughs) want to talk to me. I I don't know how long this has been on, like three years, if I would actually say, is this Chris? I guess I just answered my own question. Well, that's always been my policy is I want want to keep doing this show long enough that every single person who wants to talk to me uh, does, because I would love to talk to that many people. That'd be nice. Every time that I don't, I didn't get it though. I would just think that there's someone out there who has a story to tell that like I need to hear. And like right now is just my time to sit back and listen. And maybe someday it would be my day to share. But if it's not, that's okay. Cause there's just so many beautiful stories to hear, you know? And that's I like wanted lovely. to hear all of them too. That's lo- I hope the last episode yeah. of this show, we tweet out the phone number and we get one call because everyone else is satisfied. The many thousands of calls that usually run, we just get one and we pick it up and it's just some guy and he's like, yeah, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing, man. And then we know, okay, we have officially <laughs> spoken to everyone who wanted to speak. 
I am more nervous than I thought I'd be. I'm not usually a like nervous person, but I guess after like three years of trying, like the the adrenaline starts pumping. But um, no need, no need to. Be yeah, nervous. I have so many different things that I could be talking. I needed this this week. I really did. It's been a hard week. Um, a friend of mine, like not a close friend, but a former coworker, passed away. Um, and uh, I found out another friend has COVID, and it's just mm. I got. I've been applying to jobs like crazy and uh, I got my master's in social work about a year ago and it's just like decline after decline after decline. I even got one this week, an email that was like, um, we're so sorry. You were so great. We loved our conversation, but we just don't have like, like the field is too competitive. And like, I never talked to them. There was never a conversation. <laughs> so it's just like the declines are getting weirder and weirder. Yeah. Yeah. So but I do have a job right now, so I, I, I really can't complain if I have a job during quarantine, even if it's a retail job. Like, I'm grateful to have a job. But it is scary, yeah. right? You get to so, a point where you have but, a master's degree, and it's that hard. That that tells you that everybody's having a tough time. It's it's hard because I got, I got my master's in May of 2019 in the Midwest, and then I moved back to the West Coast where I had been living before that. And um and I'd missed missed the West Coast so much. I missed the the mindset of I, I'm in Los Angeles. I can say that's a big city. Um, I missed the mindset of Los Angeles, and um, I'm actually a New York native, but um, I just love LA. And um, you can hear it in the background there, probably. I do very um, for you and, to say uh, the words "I just love LA," <laughs> and then we all hear the honking of car horns. That there's something very comic about that. <laughs> it was, Perfectly timed. Yeah, yeah, actually, I had a doctor's appointment this morning, and I got in the car, and I hopped on the, four, the 101, I took the 405, and the 405 was so jammed that I had to call them and cancel, and yeah. I wouldn't have been able to call in otherwise, so it was, like, divinely inspired. Well, but, look, um, LA handed you that, the notorious LA traffic, uh, handed you a it's blessing. It's true. It worked out in my favor. Yeah, all right. It did. All right. Um, so, I grew up in Brooklyn. My mom... Uh, was a psychic and she trained my dad to be a psychic and uh, so I was born I was actually born in Canada into a commune and um, one of the members of the commune tried to um, murder my mother when I was two months old and so my family picked up and moved back to New York where my mom had been living before and and that's the family I grew up in. And that was, that was the. Well, how would you respond to that? Okay. There's so much. <laughs> okay. First things first, let me just say, cause you and I were kind of feeling each other out and joking around a little bit. You said you lost a couple of friends. I just want to uh, offer my condolences before we say anything else. Thank you. Yeah. I lost, I lost one, one. the other one is in the ICU right now. Oh, in the ICU you. with COVID. Yeah, yeah, he didn't pass. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, sending all the good thoughts in his direction. Thank and you. I haven't told Thank anybody. This. I just got the COVID test yesterday. Everything's fine. I don't have COVID. My son, my good. son has an ear infection. Good. Babies get ear infections, but now I got a little. I can Aww. feel a little something. So they said, "Let's give you the test just to make sure." I took the swab up the nose. I'll keep everybody updated. Now, down to the nitty gritty. Good. We want to be so. Okay. There's many things to discuss here. First thing I noticed <laughs> in my astute listening, you said my mom is a psychic. Yes. She taught my dad to be a psychic. I said was. Was a psychic. Oh, so so has your mom That's passed mom, away or she has? Yeah. She no longer, she did. Okay. Sorry. She passed away. Yeah. She passed away. Yeah. Thank Very you. sorry to hear that. Yeah. That was, that was 2012. So it's like eight years ago now, but yeah. Now, yeah. You said, you didn't say my mom worked as a psychic. You didn't say any, you said my mom was a psychic. She taught my dad. She, you didn't say she taught my dad how to do the psychic thing. You said she taught my dad to be a psychic. So do you, you know, there's a lot of people are going to hear this who go, well, psychics are charlatans. Uh, do you believe that? Because the phrasings made it sound like you said, nope, my parents were this, are this. That's really interesting. That's very astute. Um, I don't think my parents are charlatans. I don't believe all the things my parents believe. 
Um, I believe my parents believe what they believe, or my mom did. Um, my mom was always way more spot on than my dad uh, with me. And I don't know how much of that was just like a mother's instinct. Um, I remember one time, so I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up in like Bay Ridge and Bensonhurst and um, like my neighborhood. <laughs> I remember going out, like people, my friends would be like smoking on the street corner. Like that was like pot on the street corner. Like that was the kind of neighborhood I grew up in. Um, I think that was probably pretty common for most people's childhood. Anyway, I got drunk when I was like 13 with some friends. By drunk, I mean like I had probably two shots of vodka or something. And my dad picked me up and he was like, you know, why are you wobbly or whatever? And I was like, oh, there's just this boy there. And I really liked him. And like, he's like it's interesting because I was, I was like wondering, I sat with it and I was like, hmm, I wonder if it's alcohol, drugs or a boy. And he's like, I just got a feeling it was about a boy. And I was like, uh-huh. Yep, that's right. Um, so my dad was really never spot on with me, but, um, I know that they're with their clients. Like I, I can see that my parents have made a difference in the lives of their clients. And I, um, I don't know how much of the rest of it matters, you know, like the people they work with, they touch people's lives and those people like value their services. And my parents definitely believe in what they're doing. So Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. And did you ever hear from your mom yeah. how she came to realize these psychic powers? Oh, yeah. It's a long story, but the, I guess the shortest version of it is she got into a car accident and she could, like see herself from outside the car and she went to her friend's place who believed in psychics and stuff and my mom didn't. And she had all like these astrology charts and my mother looked at one of them and was like, this man's going to jail. And, um, so her friend was like, wait, why do you think that? And she was, I don't know. I just got this feeling. So they, in, they invite the guy over to the house and he was this very big Italian Brooklyn man. Um, and he basically told my mom, my mom like read his tarot cards and like described something in a legal happening. And my mom opened her eyes and his face was like pale white. And he was like, how do you know that? <laughs> And he's like, well, you know, that's true, but my friends would never rat me out. And then like a month later, my mom says that she got a call from him in jail. But I heard a lot of stories like that from my mom. So like, I, I could never like distinguish like what was like, you know, the big fish story, you know, like I I have no idea, but yeah, that was her story. Um, Yeah. Um, She, she had a bunch of followers and people who, you know, I know she made a difference in a lot of people's lives. I know well, that much. Let's, so, and it's funny because I have my master's in social work and I want to be a therapist and I feel like I kind of want to do the same thing, but like <laughs> maybe in a little bit more evidence-based way. Well, I was just going <laughs> to ask, I was just going to say, because I've, I've read articles about, you know, I, I pretty recently read an article about a psychic who, you know, you took like six figures off of people who really made people... They, you know, drain people's bank accounts and some of it you can see as manipulation. But then I wonder when you're saying you saw your mom make a difference in people's lives, I was just going to ask, I wonder if that is akin to therapy. And I wonder if in prior generations when therapy was um, even more stigmatized than it is today, if maybe going to a psychic was a way to to tap into what you needed to talk to somebody who wanted to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think my mom definitely served as a therapist. And my mom also was the kind of person where if like someone couldn't afford it and her friend needed it, like she'd be on the phone helping them. Like she never took nothing because she was told spiritually that if there's no exchange, there has to be an exchange. So like when I used to do tarot cards for my friends at school, she'd be like, at least make them like donate to a charity if you don't feel comfortable charging them because like there has to be an exchange of goods because otherwise they won't, they won't listen to what you're saying. It won't mean anything. But when people invest in something, they walk away having taken something from it. Um, so like when I was a kid, I was, I was obese. I, 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 um, I was obese to the point of unhealthy in the fact that like, I know weight and health are not necessarily, um, always linked, but like when I was 12, my cholesterol and triglycerides were so high that my, I had a lipid specialist and he told me I'd be dead by the age of 20. Mm. 
And, um, so when I was 14, I was 225 pounds and, um, and hold on, there was a linear thought. I forgot how I got there. Um, got on another story. Anyway, I ended up losing that weight in a 12 step program for food addiction. Um, but how did I get there? What was talking I talking about, about your mom? mom, helping people, uh, therapy. Yeah. I don't know. Being akin to therapy. My brain is all over the place. Oh, that's okay. I did take my ADHD medication, but only about two minutes before we got on the phone. So I don't know if it kicked in yet. You'll settle um, in. You'll start <laughs> feeling real smooth, real nice any second now. Don't worry about it. You're doing great. Yeah, really. My mom but, was a psychic um, right there. Yeah, Boom. I don't remember. That's a name. Of, that's a good title of an yeah, episode right yeah, there. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a lot of interesting stories um, with my mom. The first, I remember one time when I was 16, when I was actually getting diagnosed for ADHD because my parents didn't believe I had it. Um, they just thought kids were over-medicated and didn't want me to be on medication for it. But we were at a psych, I don't know if it was a therapist or the psychiatrist's office, but my mom literally said to this woman, well, what you have to understand is that when she was a child, she was um, visited by aliens. I'm not kidding you. But this was like important medical information for the psychiatrist to know. And were you visited by aliens? And I just look at her. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so you look at her. So. You look at her. I look at her with like with like venom, right? With like that look that only a sixteen year old can give their parents. Like, mom, how could you? And she goes to the therapist. You see how she looks at me? I think it was actually a psychiatrist. You see how she looks at me? <laughs> I was like, oh my god. And then I told that story. I was trying. I tried to do stand up once in my life, and I told that story during the stand up set, and um. I had said that my mother said I was abducted by aliens. And after this set, my mother comes to me and goes, I never said you were abducted. I said you were visited. There is a difference. So, True story. So, uh, <laughs> okay. There, this, there's a lot of layers to this onion. You, so you're, there are. Your mom, okay. Your mom said you were visited by aliens. You said you don't think you were. This means you don't remember anything. You don't remember waking up with beams of light through your yeah. window and someone entering. You don't remember this. You can't bash no. this person. She, she said it happened before the age of three. Like I was just barely talking, but she said I would get up and walk around the house and scream. The little doctors would come for me at night when I was like two and I just could barely speak. And I would say the little doctors are coming. And then uh, one of her clients came into our house because she worked out of the home. And they had a picture of like an alien on it. And I screamed and I pointed to it and said that that was a little doctor. That that was her story. Wow, wow. But it, did you just? It's say hard because, she... like, I don't think of my mom as a liar, but like, also that story is so big that I'm like, is that true? And if it is true, then it's like, well, then maybe I was. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's, <laughs> it's hard to unpack, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me, it is hard to unpack. Um, I've listened to people unpack things on the phone and this one, I mean, I've done this over 200 times. And, uh, yeah, this, this one's a lot. You said your mom worked out of the home. You said the clients came to the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That must've been strange. Yeah, we'd have enough money for not work, to work outside the house. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. So every Sunday night, we hit our little, again, our little very Italian neighborhood. My, my full name is very Hebrew. Um, cause my mom was Israeli and, um, and I was obese and I big curly hair and <laughs> I didn't understand like how to be a child in this neighborhood. Like I did not get the culture, even like grew up there. And I just was so awkward, did not fit in anyway. So every Sunday night or maybe it was once a month. I don't remember, but Sunday nights there'd be these channelings where my mom or my dad would like channel an energy of like a dead spirit. Like think like ghost, right? Like Whoopi Goldberg mm-hmm. who was speaking as Patrick Swayze, right? Or whatever. So uh, they, they would channel and we'd have like a group of like 35, 40 people coming. And like, there was this one guy, oh, this one woman who used to say that she could talk to birds and like that was kind of her thing. And then there was this other guy who would come who would like always want to prove he was more spiritual than everybody. So like the lady who could talk to birds, he'd be like, oh, I can talk to birds, but like you should see me in the forest. Like deers come to me. Like I'm basically Snow White. Like they would have arguments over like who was more whatever. 
and somewhere around seven or eight, I started to become skeptical and a little bit like cynical about, of it all. And so I would just listen to these stories and just be like, okay, all right. <laughs> um, grab some of the snacks and then head to my room. So you're seven years old. You got 35 people in your house talking about how they talk to birds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was, it was a lot or aliens or, you know, just, I mean, my dad to this day believes that like the whole government is controlled by forces. He calls the Anunnaki, which like are alien forces that are like an energy that like controls the Illuminati that controls the government. And so he, because of that, he won't vote. And like, um, I don't know. I guess as long as he's not voting for Trump, I'm okay with, I'm like, okay, that's better, better than voting for him, I guess not voting at all, but he just thinks it's all a game. And, and the Anunnaki are pulling yeah, the strings we, on all of it. I, on all of it. It's all based on fear. And so like the more we talk about things that are fear-based, like the more negative things we create. And so like, as a result, like my stepmother the past two days, like posted like positive Trump article. Like, hey, look at these good things Trump has done. Be not because she's a Trump supporter, but because she just feels like we should be like focusing on the good, on whatever it is, just focus on the positive. And I'm like, okay, cool. Children dying in camps. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, I'm with nearly 200,000 Americans dead from COVID. Oof. Like, I'm Oof. not, I, I, I just, my dad actually called me to basically uninvite me to my stepbrother's wedding because he has a wedding in October. And they're like, are you coming? And I said, I'm not sure. Um, cause this was like in June. I said, it depends on the state of the virus. And, um, my dad was like, well, if you're coming, none of this elbow tapping stuff, we're going to hug you. And then I said, no, if I'm coming, you're going to respect my boundaries because you made me to be a woman who has good, strong, healthy boundaries. And you'll, you'll respect that. And then he called me two days later to be like, I don't think you understand the culture here. Um, even though I've lived in the Midwest for six years. So, uh, you don't understand the culture here. Like, and I just think you won't be able to keep your mouth. Uh, I don't think you'll be able to keep your mouth shut and that you'll make the wedding about you. Nobody wants to hear that. You're going to make the wedding about you. The wedding's about the couple and the wedding's about the family and the wedding's about everything. That, that's a harsh thing to say. I'm going to go ahead and uh, shake my head digest that one and you know what while i'm doing it i'm going to listen to these ads i'm not gonna hit fast forward i'm gonna listen to them and maybe something jumps out at me and i'll use the promo code we'll be right back i think maybe many of you moments ago said i i, I have a sense that perhaps the commercial's about to end maybe that was you being psychic clairvoyant let's get back to the call and that you'll make the wedding about you Oh, that's not a nice um, thing to because say. Because I'll be wearing a mask. No, not at all. And the funny thing is, like, I know my father, and I know that in his mind, he was protecting both me and my stepbrother. Like, in his mind, he's, like, helping. Right. Um, and right. I think the reason I can have a positive relationship with my dad is that I can understand today that, like, everything he does comes from a place of, like, loving. It's just that, like, you know, impact is greater than intent. And sometimes the impact is not, not kind. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say something. I fear that this might be judgmental and I apologize if it is, but like it's, it's hard not, it's hard not to notice that, um, you know, maybe some segments of people who, who don't want to wear a mask, are also people who think that there's energy beings called the Anunnaki controlling the government. Now, if the Anunnaki reveal themselves the someday, he wears masks. Oh, he does. That's the crazy part. Is he wears masks? What? Yes. I thought that he said no. The masks—they've all been made up by the Anunnaki. He just thought that I wouldn't. I mean, my masks all say "Black Lives Matter" on them too. So, like, maybe I whisper <laughs> shit in the middle of a red state, but. <laughs> Um, but like, also he knows that I'm okay with being a shit starter sometimes, but also at my stepbrother's wedding, I'm not there to start shit. The only re reason that shit would be started is if someone came up to me and told me to take my mask off. Like can't I'm not going to walk up to other people and tell them they're doing it wrong. Can't you just look, you know, just talk to your dad and be like, Hey, if you wanted me to play by the rules, you shouldn't have been bringing in uh, dozens of people who debated whether or not you could talk to birds my whole childhood. 
If you wanted me to live a standard life, it, it, you can't be doing that. The, mid, the Midwest changed my father. I really, really, truly believe that. Because like okay. all okay. the weird stuff is the same, but like the <laughs> we're going to hug you stuff, that's not my dad. My dad's always been like, what are your boundaries? Stick to your boundaries, like enforce your boundaries. And now he's like, we're hugging you. And I'm like, uh... I get that there was like a kindness in that, but also no, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming from LA. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not, you don't it's want not that. that I'm like afraid of your cooties. It's, I don't want to give you my cooties. I don't want to give my, you know, stepmother's stepmother who's in her nineties COVID. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for that. No, nah, like, you can't be sitting so, around feeling, anyway. yeah. Now is the Anunnaki a thing that a lot of people believe, or is this your father's pet theory? Cause I'm not, I'm not familiar with the Anunnaki theory. Googled it before, and I think that he's not alone. Like my dad doesn't make up stuff, really, um, so he's not alone. But um, honestly, I haven't like. It's hard because like it's really good fodder, right, for like comedic material. Like I, <laughs> not too much because otherwise you just sound crazy. Like it's it's hard because my life borders on almost sounding fictional sometimes. If I like yeah. just say the weird stuff, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. This sounds. Um, yeah. Yeah. Found completely yeah. foundationless, both as a, a life you've led and the stories you're telling. It's tough. Also, I've looked it up. No, it looks like the Anunnaki are, um, go all the way back to traditions of Sumerians, Akkadians, Assyrians, and Babylonians. So these are like ancient myth. Oh. So like ancient mythological beings, the Anunnaki. There you go. Okay. Now, would you say, would, uh, well, when you look back on this, because you, <laughs> well, you got a master's degree. You want to, you got a master's degree. So you're a motivated mm-hmm. person. You're a successful person. You're driven and you're getting where you need to go. And that job will come. When you look back at your childhood. Thank you. I hope so. I think so. Right. The world's going to, we're going to find a vaccine. The world's going to go back to normal. The economy's going to be able to take a breath and the purse strings will open for people of your intelligence and accomplishment. Now, do you think your childhood was healthy or batshit crazy because you seem like such a well-adjusted person but you're describing something to me that sounds uh you know i don't crazy yeah yeah, i don't want to ever judge and i'm saying it facetiously but yeah it's it's pretty out there what you're saying no yeah yeah um i think about that a lot so you know how you don't see dysfunction when you're in it right you see it like when you grow up and you look back on it um i was like a a bit of an out-of-control child so I was obese and I was um, not medicated for my ADHD. And um, my parents both came from a ton of trauma. My mother's parents were Holocaust survivors. Um, and my dad's parents were a whole other story. And so I feel like um, they both were doing the very best that they could. And that's very evident in that, like, they loved me so much. Um, and that's all true. And um, I think that, like, my need to find an addiction at like three or four years old is like indicative of the fact that um, things were not okay. I didn't feel safe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and now some people would say like, you know, people are born with addiction or I, I don't know. I don't know. That's hotly contested. But like, I know that for me, like the way that I was around food, I would hide it. I would lie about it. I had shame around it from like four um, I would steal it. I would throw it away and then take it back out of the trash. Like I was, I had a lot. I was not someone who was like overweight and happy. I was miserable and I was suicidal by the time I was 11. And I was bullied like crazy. And it was in the 90s when like being bullied was like a rite of passage, not a problem, you know? Yeah. Um, when they didn't realize that like, oh, maybe we should step in and do something, you know? Yeah. And Bay Ridge and Bensonhurst uh, so, in New York are like, Known for being, uh, I, I have some friends who live out in Bay Ridge, and I think they're like really solid neighborhoods. But there's a pride in toughness out there. There's a real pride in being tough. Total, totally, yeah. And that's never been me. Like I was, I've always been the person who cried at the drop of a hat, you know. Yeah. Um, and I just never fit in. Like I didn't get that there was a world for me outside of this this neighborhood, right? Like there are people like me in the world. It was like everyone around me you know, had the accent, or I guess I had the accent back then more too. Um, but like, it was like pin straight ironed hair with like certain outfits that I could never fit into. And like, 
I mean, I don't know how to describe this culture to like <laughs> other listeners who don't understand it, but um, it just wasn't a culture that I fit. Like I liked theater and I liked the arts and I <clears throat> liked things that were strange, but like my family didn't totally get me. My neighborhood definitely didn't get me. Um, and I was lucky. I was lucky because when I was 14, I found the 12 step program. And then I went to high school in the city. Um, and I, I went to a performing arts high school. Not, not the really good one. I didn't get into that one. Um, and I went to, I went to the kind of the, the Kirkland version of it or the generic version, but, um, it it was wonderful because I could take the subway and then I could like go up the Met or I could go, you know, do like the standing room only or the student line for the musicals like on Broadway. And I got really into comedy and I, when I was in LA, I started to do um, improv and um, I started to realize like, oh, like there's a place for weirdies and like, it's okay to be weird. Mm-hmm. But, um, there certainly is. I, and I love my weirdness now. Good. I love my weirdness now. Like yeah. that is like when I was living in the Midwest, I was on an improv team, and in I love improv teams in the Midwest. I have to say it's so much better, like than my experience in LA, because no one's trying to get famous. Everyone's just doing it for the love of improv. And um, my team, I remember we would do the living room style opening, and to explain that, that means like like to the listeners, it's like when you share a little story based on a suggestion. Uh, from the audience and my friends used to have a, a running joke of like um <laughs> they say is it his life or is it a sketch like okay, the premise of whatever name, story i told because i have your name oh yeah i did that's Sorry. okay yeah, we're bleeping it i've made a note <laughs> so you busted out a bensonhurst so, um, you found your creativity you're feeling better that's good. Now, what's this thing about someone tried to murder your mom in a commune when you were two? What was that about? Oh, yeah, before. I was two months, two months old. Oh, two um, months. Two months. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was two months old. Um, one of the members of the commune um, who, <laughs> let's see how much I'm going to say. He has, has bipolar disorder. And, um, he was not diagnosed or medicated and he heard voices and, um, they were telling him to murder my mother and he cut the brakes to her car. He sent his wife out, out of the house for groceries, um, and cut the ignition. So the brakes and the ignition, so she couldn't even start it. Um, and then I was my older, she can't start the car. He was just. How is it a problem? With the his, I don't know why he did both. Because if you can't start the car, now both. this brake line thing is you've you've foiled your own plan right there because the car can't it's move. Moot point. Moot point. Sure, sure. But, okay, um, I interrupted. He, my older sister was in school. Um, my older sister's ten years older than me, and um, my aunt I think was upstairs, and he. Uh, took a knife and stabbed my mother in the chest. What? And uh, yeah, and then took it to her throat. And so, and she used her hand to try to keep the knife away from her throat. And so, my whole life, my mom's hand was paralyzed because of that attack. Oh, I'll stop. Making um, jokes. And I'm the story sorry. goes, no, it's I. I didn't even know actually. Like, I knew that she gave really lame, lame high fives, but I didn't understand why. Until I like was maybe twelve, and I was like, "Oh, her hand, her fingers are paralyzed." I had no idea. I was just like, "The high fives were so like like limp," and I had no idea why until I was like twelve. Um, but yeah, so I'm so sorry to laugh but to hear that it came down to limp high fives. No, I mean, you are. I'm. Yeah, it's like I'm having trouble keeping up with you, and you're just descri- you're describing a situation where I can't even imagine how you were feeling. You know. Everything you say, I'm like, I don't know how to. But I was talking about your psychic mom had a paralyzed hand because a man tried to murder her, and they were in a commune. And then what? And then you're actually living it. You actually got your parents in your house channeling dead people. It's you know, it's easier I think to live it than to hear it, right? Because like when you've lived it, it's just part of your lived experience, and it becomes normalized, right? Sure. Like you have probably crazy experiences. Oh, you know, yeah. you have lots of experiences from your life growing up oh, in Jersey yeah. that I'm like. 
I couldn't imagine that experience that you've oh, shared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just once you've lived it, it like somehow becomes normalized, right? Like, well, it's like you said, that's right? That's just what living does. It's normalized. And then you get older and look back. That did a lot of damage for me, too. When I got out of my hometown and I went to college, I lived with a buddy of mine from high school. We both went to Rutgers. And we'd be telling, you know, everybody be telling stories in the dorms and we'd tell stories about our hometown and people would look at us like we just said the most disturbing thing they'd ever heard. And then we were like, wait, are you yeah. telling me it, it didn't have to be like that? You're telling me that's not just a thing everybody yeah. dealt with? And then the, it really absolutely part of my, uh, part that's of my it spiral really messed with depression. With you. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I'm absolutely. way weirder absolutely. than I thought. And a lot of that stuff was not fair. Absolutely. Yeah. So did yeah, you, yeah. So your mom fled so, this commune. Um, so yeah, the reason she actually got saved, the reason she got saved was she actually had done a reading for someone the week before. And the person she had done the reading for had a nightmare that my mom was attacked. And she tried to call the house and the phone line was dead. So she just drove by to see if everything was okay. And if she hadn't drove by, they wouldn't have been able to get her to the hospital. So this guy, what, had run away at this point and then this person discovers your mom and it seems like an, a possible implication there might be your mom was able to psychically contact someone she had a psychic connection with to almost uh i mean summon that's it. there's things like there's things like that in my whole life where i'm like i can't discount everything you guys believe in like i'm never gonna be a believing like some of the some of the stuff my dad says are gonna cure covid i'm just like please stop please just stop um but like at the same time like I don't know. I know enough to know I don't know. How about that? That's fair. You've seen enough. You've seen enough that there's, there. It's uh, you can't be completely dismissed. You can't be completely dismissive of it. Now, can I ask you? Is there? Because you've already explained yes. a number of things. Are there? Is there one story that comes to mind, whether it's about one of your parents or one of their clients or something you witnessed in your house? Where you're like, this is the pinnacle of, of how how, quote unquote, strange it got by other people. If other people were judging it, how strange it got. This was a little scarring, but like I look at it with irreverence now. So um, when I was nine, I think we went to Egypt on a trip, and um, the trip was my parents led spiritual trips all over the world. They loved ones to Scotland and. England and Egypt and Israel and all over the place. And I didn't always get to go, but this time I did. And I was a nightmare on that trip. Like I was a nightmare. And I, we were on a train and I remember that I saw something that looked like a monster outside the window, but I was like eight or nine, right? That's eight or nine year old sea monsters. Right. Mm -hmm. And I ran into my parents' train car and I told them, I explained the monster that I saw and they were like convinced that it was a reptilian energy and that I was possessed. And that's why I had been a brat the whole trip. A what energy? Reptilian, like a reptile, but it's actually like, uh, <laughs> there's a bunch of alien energy. So there's Anunnaki, there's reptilian, there's Pleiadian. So reptilian energy. And so they decided that, I don't know what that means. The Lemurians live inside right. a mountain in California. <laughs> it's a thing I researched back in my weird New Jersey days. So continue. They think you have a reptilian energy oh. and you're possessed. Almost like, a, is this related to the lizard people conspiracies? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I spent most of my teen years getting as far away from it as possible. Uh -huh. And then my adult years just trying to get to a place where I could <laughs> um, respect my father. Yeah. And... Yeah listen respectfully without being an asshole. Cause I was yeah. like, sorry, Sally, but I was not nice. So um, let's get back to the story. So whereas if I told my parents, I saw a monster, they would almost undoubtedly sit down, comfort me a little bit and say, you know, there's really no such thing as monsters. So just take a deep breath and try yeah. to uh, calm down. Your parents immediately respond that you uh, are reflecting reptilian energy and have been possessed. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we get to a temple. I don't remember which one. There's a lot of temples in Egypt. Um, and they decide they're going to do like an exorcism on me. But this is like a tourist destination. This isn't like a private place. Like there are <laughs> tourists everywhere. <laughs> 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 
Okay, so I'm just imagining yeah. it in my head. Throngs of people visiting, of course, the famous imagery of Egypt, pyramids, the Sphinx, and yes, temples. There's throngs of people. Your parents decide it's time to drive the reptilian forces out of your out of your being. Out of me, yep. And this is where, right in front of the temple, inside, shoulder. you had a bad shoulder. That's not good either. I don't remember. I remember there were like pillars, like old Egyptian pillars, and I, uh-huh. I think we were outside, but I like I. I don't totally remember. I had really bad shoulder pain. They said that that's where it was. Which is funny. I have shoulder pain right now. Maybe I'm possessed again. Um, reptilians are back. Not that I have a chronic illness. And are you yeah. going, are you saying <laughs> anyway. to them, are you saying to them, because you're a kid, right? So are you going, hey, yeah. I'm not possessed by reptiles. Everybody chill out. Or are you going, mom, dad, get these <laughs> reptiles out of me? Yes. No, I'm, I'm the, this is ridiculous okay. side. But I realize the more that I fight, the longer this is going to go. Yes, yes, yes. So let's get. The so I kind of just go into that, like, <laughs> yeah. So I have to just like shut up and like yeah. let it happen. Wow. Okay, we got to pause there. I want everybody to take a deep breath and imagine this in your mind. You're in a tourist spot. You are the subject of an exorcism by your parents. Imagine your parents in that role as you stand in Egypt. You know, many of us as kids wind up a little bit embarrassed. This sounds extreme. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, let's finish off this phone call, right? I want more psychics. I want more uh, exorcisms and I want more spankings. So let's get. So I kind of just go into that. Like, (laughs) yeah. So I have to just like shut up and like let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I think when I look back at it, that in a way, like, I almost think it was like a way to like excuse the fact that I was being such a heinous brat the whole trip to the whole, all the participants. <laughs> like, oh, well, this explains it. She's, she's possessed. Duh. Um, but. That's not the yeah, end of that yeah. story. No, that's not so the now- end. That's not the end. What was the end? What happened? <laughs> there was a possession. There was- <laughs> <laughs> They pushed on my shoulder. They said some things. They stood in a circle. I think I cried. I don't remember. And are there tons and then after of people that gathering over, around? I wasn't allowed. There are people and I'm getting looks. That much I know. And I can't focus on the circle around me. All I can focus on is the people outside the circle around me looking at the circle around me chanting. And I was just like, make, it was just like the most embarrassing moment. It was just so embarrassing. That's then- what I remember is it being embarrassing and just wanting the shame to stop. Are you sitting there or do you have to like pretend? Cause you're saying you're like, let's get out. So do you have to sit there and pretend to be like, and roll your eyes in your head and say it? I just laid on the ground. I just laid on the ground. I just like Uh, tossed it. I just laid on the ground the whole time. And then what? At some point your mom or your dad are like, I felt that reptile leave. Cool. Let's go get ice. I guess I, I know that it hurt because they were pushing on the shoulder that was in pain. That's not good. And was it, did, did it help the pain? Did the pain go? Was it reptile? Was it a reptile in your shoulder causing the pain, or did you still have the pain? I, I'm gonna guess I still had the pain, but I don't okay. remember. That was th- 23 years ago. So now, have you ever had? Have you ever had suspicions that you might have psychic abilities? I still do tarot cards, but mm. I think I'm just like a em- empathetic, empathic person. Um, I don't know. I look at tarot cards like they're fun. I don't look at them as like the, the only time I found myself really, really looking to psychics for help really was when my mom died. And I kind of liken it to like when people all of a sudden become religious when they lose a parent, it's just like you go back to your roots right? and like being that my roots were the psychic thing. Like I was looking for a way to connect with her, you know? Right. Um, and the truth is like when you lose someone that young, I was, you know, 23 and um, I think there's just not, you just got to be in pain. Like there's no answers and there yeah. never will be. And maybe some people find comfort in certain answers, but like, I don't know. I call myself a spiritual agnostic. Um, like I believe that there's probably something out there, but I believe that I'm never going to know what it is. And um, I think if you did know what it was, because ag, a means without, and G-N-O-S, nos, 
means knowledge. So where an atheist is without faith, an agnostic is without knowledge. And I, um, I don't know. I, anybody who believes that they know something a hundred percent scares me. Cause I, I think for the most part, there's nothing that we can know a hundred percent. Cause like, it's just not possible. And so like, I heard this quote once that like, um, belief without vulnerability is extremism. I think, I think it's Brene Brown. I don't want to misquote that, but I like that. Quote. And I really feel that way. Like, yeah. Say it again. Belief without vulnerability is extremism. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So like, that's kind of how I live my life where it's like, I believe in things, but like, I also am, I try to always be open to the fact that they could change like that. My belief doesn't have to be a hundred percent that it's really hard with like political things right now, obviously. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, now I'm as of right now, my life has been, you know, ups and downs in a roller coaster. I, um, I don't know how much time do we have left? Uh, about 17 and a half minutes. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm like, what can I go into and what can I not go into? Um, can I ask one more Wait, is there question. anything more you wanted to delve in on that topic? Yes, there's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me. There's one I'm chomping at the bit. So you got back into some psychic stuff after your mom passed, reconnecting with your roots, reconnecting with this mm-hmm. thing that was so important to her. Now your mom channeled the spirits of deceased people. Were you seeing people who did that as well? And were you, were you hoping that someone could channel your mom? And if so, did that happen? I was hoping to get a message from her. And a lot of it felt like bullshit, honestly. Um, there That's was one young woman I met in Los Angeles that like, I felt like some of the stuff she said could have hit home, but it never, nothing felt definitive. And I think that that kind of, the point? I don't know. I I think the idea of looking for an answer when someone dies is something we all do, but like I think I just needed to grieve. And I, I started to write in a journal to my mom, and I still do. I still write to her. Um she was always closed off with me. She was so open with her clients, but like really closed off with me because she was afraid she she said this to me when I was in my twenties, early twenties. Obviously she died when I was twenty three. Um, that like she kept a distance from me emotionally because she was afraid of messing me up because she felt like she was so emotionally messed up. She didn't want to mess me up. So she ended up being distant, which obviously can also mess someone up. Um, so I think I was just looking for a way to be close to her. Like even in, after she got cancer, she like stopped answering the phone a lot. Like she would go two weeks without talking to me when I was in college. And that was really hard. So I started making YouTube videos and just privately sending them to her. So that like I could at least talk to her even if she wasn't talking to me. That's beautiful. Um, it was kind of like I lost her before I lost her. That's yeah, sad. Finding that way to connect was, with her though. That's a really beautiful move, but it's, it is really sad to hear that that disconnection happened. I'm so grateful that I was in the program I was in and that I am in the program that I'm in because um, it just gave me a support system. You know, it gave me a routine. It gave me a rhythm. It gave me, people to rely on. It gave me a sense of purpose because I was helping others. Um, It still does today. And um, yeah, I don't know where I would be without that. Yeah. Let's move on because you were saying, you know, and we got 15 minutes left now to explore whatever, but I do just want to say that was a hell of a ride you just took us on. And uh, your parents sound like really fascinating people and that childhood sounds, you know, at times tumultuous and certainly non-traditional, but also what a, uh, for someone who's, who seems to have landed on her feet, what a, uh, what a fun thing to look back on. And you've got, certainly you're always going to have a story when the dinner party gets boring. I think I'm lucky because like at the end of the day, they loved me so hard. You know, yeah. like I never doubted that. That overrides and a lot I, of I stuff. Think that like when it does, 
It does. Cause I, I know, like, I know my dad would like take a bullet for me. Like he loves me so much. And so even when he's being, as my older sister likes to say, when he's being an asshole, like, <laughs> cause he does sometimes, like he is sometimes I get to just like, remember like who he is and like, um, I don't need to talk to him maybe for a couple of weeks. Maybe I need some space before I can like have a real conversation with him about why that wasn't okay. But he'll listen when I say that wasn't okay. If he says something that I think is like inappropriate, whether it be like socially or racially, like I will say, Hey dad, like, like, can we talk about why that's related to your privilege? And he'll say, okay, yeah, tell me. And he'll listen. And so like the fact that he's willing he knows I'm passionate about social issues. And so he'll like, he'll like direct conversations into that. So I can talk to him about like social issues and like kind of educate him. And sometimes he's open to it and sometimes he's not, but he'll he'll always listen. He'll always listen. So I'm very blessed. That's good. That's good to have somebody who can take a deep breath and hear what you have to say. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I moved back to LA June, July of last year. Um, and I found, I found, I believe the love of my life in August of last year. Oh, that's happened nice. really quickly. That's nice. Yeah. And what's, yeah. The, what's this person's I deal? Mean, he's wonderful. Um, we actually met at a, so here's a whole nother package about me. I have a fetish. I'm and listening. that's something that's been with me since I was a little kid. <laughs> that's okay. something that's been with me since I was a very small child. What are we talking about? Um, I've now learned that like fetish is spanking is my fetish. Um, I've learned that those develop oftentimes in children. You don't know what's a fetish. You don't know what's sexual until you get older. Um, although... When you have a fetish, it doesn't always feel sexual. That's a whole nother bag of worms, a can of worms, bag of, you know what I mean. Worms can come in a bag. You um, could put worms in a bag. I, I say that. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, why do they come in a can? Have you ever seen a can of worms? Yeah. I guess maybe for fishing. It's arbitrary. I Bottle of worms, jar of, jar of worms. Just at some point, somebody <laughs> made that up. So spanking. Another closed container of worms. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. A container yeah. of worms. Box of worms. Ziploc bag of and, worms. For a long time, I, like, didn't engage with the community because I was, like, trying to, like, I thought that I couldn't be in this 12-step program and do it right and express this part of myself, which is not true, BS, but, like, I was afraid that, like, it was too different or weird or I don't know. And um, I started to, like, re-engage with the community maybe three, three years ago in a big way. And one of my closest friends in the community also lives in LA and she's wonderful. And we decided we would start having small meetings of people who are Spankos. That's the nickname. Spankos in LA. Spankos Um, is the nickname for people who are into spanking? Yeah. Yes. Spankos. Yes, it is. And is that- Some people hate it, but that is the thing. Yeah. (laughs) And is that for both people who enjoy um, doing the spanking and being spanked? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So they're all Spankos. And- uh Uh-huh. And, um, I actually met him at a meetup, basically at a barcade in Los Angeles. So you had a Spanko meeting and um, a Spanko meetup at a barcade, which is mm -hmm. a bar with an arcade. Mm -hmm. And uh, can Mm -hmm. I ask a personal question? Do you like doing the spanking? Do you Mm -hmm. like getting spanked? Do you like both? I'm more of a receiving person, but Mm -hmm. I'll switch. It's called switching. I'll switch. Um, yeah. And then this guy's, this guy's over here um, playing some Mortal Kombat and you get to chat. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, (laughs) it was, it was pretty funny. We didn't play a game the whole night. We actually just talked and it turned out that like, um, we had a lot of things in common, a lot of things in just our vanilla lives as in not the thinking world. Um, more than I should probably elaborate here because I don't want to give away his stuff. But um, yeah, we had just ridiculous amounts of things in common from interests to we even had like a mutual friend, well, acquaintance, like in the real world outside of that world. And he also hadn't really ever 
explored that world before. Um, it had been something that had been with him since he was a kid, but he was afraid to explore it. And he was in his thirties and his first time was, uh, this year. And so we just kind of connected and, um, we just love a lot of the same things. We like to do the same activities. We, he's just a good person, really good person. Um, Oh, I have a good story for you. What we got? You want a good story? Yeah, we got eight and a half minutes for a good story. Do we have time? Okay, here's the worst experience I had. So there's a website called FetLife. I've heard of it. And oh, apparently I triggered Siri. Siri somehow. I didn't say your name. Um, I had a FetLife account. I got contacted by a guy when I was living in the Midwest. I was at the city. I was living in the Midwest, and he said he was in the same stuff I am, and he was liberal, and he was like Bernie supporter. I was a Bernie supporter at the time. I still like Bernie. Um, and he was like, we should meet up. And so we meet up. He tells me he's 39. He has two kids. He's divorced. He tells me all this stuff about his life. We start dating. About two weeks in, we decide we're going to get a hotel room, right? So we get a hotel room. We stay the night. And then the next – and then we're out. We go to a restaurant, and I introduce him to the chef because I know the chef there. Um, and – I go to introduce him as Jim and he says his name is Aaron, but he told me his name was Jim. Bad sign. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Those are all generic names. You don't have to say them. And so then come to find out he's on the phone with his job. I hear the name of the company he works for. I go on LinkedIn. I type in the company name and his real first name. By now he's a completely different name than the name he told me. Come to find out he's a conservative pastor at a, one of those like mini mega churches, like in the suburbs, you know, the ones where they have like lots of music and lights and stuff. <laughs> and he lied about all of it. He was still married. The kids were true. And the, but like he was a married conservative pastor at a mini mega church. And just deep down, he was just another spanko like the rest of them. It was like, I was not, I, I will say like now I like to say it with like kind of like, irreverence and it's playful but like when it happened it was actually a lot more traumatic than I expected it to be because I was like really falling hard for him and like put so much faith in him and I like absolutely would not have spent the night with someone who was married and so like it really shook my confidence um and do you put this into LinkedIn like Um, at the dinner table or you went you did spend the the night when I'd like really been this yeah we had spent the night it was the next day that like all the red flags started to like line up. And I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And that's I, I why the hotel like, happened. Away. Like maybe he gave me a fake name. Cause it was that like, mm-hmm. so he's like sitting there going, Oh, it'd yep. be hot to get a hotel room. And then we can just be on neutral ground and really explore together. And instead he's just trying to hide his, uh, he's trying to make sure none of his parishioners yep. catch him or that his wife doesn't come home. I got it. Or his wife or his children. And now what happens when you confront this yeah. guy? What happens when you go, Hey, uh, I, I, know I sent him a text message and I was like, I, you're married. And he was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I guess you'd figure out some point or another. And then like three hours later, he's like, so you want to talk about it? I'm like, what's there to talk about? You're married. We're not, there's nothing, nothing to talk about. Okay. And like then that. he like got all depressy and started to be like, started to say suicidal things. And then I said, okay, here's the number of the suicidal hotline. Um, get help your family, your wife and kids deserve it. And then I just blocked him. Oh, I also sent him a link to an article about rape by deception. And I said, what would Jesus do about this? Well, I was just going to say, that's pretty outright deception. I was just about to use that word and say, that goes beyond just like some, uh, that that goes beyond uh, just the basic violation, like that. Those lies are really like doubling down and tripling down to a point where that's a very, very unfair position to put you in, and that's very uh, manipulative. And I hate that that happened. And then I, re- I reported him to the board of his church a year later, but I waited until I wasn't living there anymore, so he couldn't come after me. You did, and what happened? Well, he, I think he's actually lost his job before I reported him because I couldn't find his name on the website anymore. So either he got caught in the act or I don't know, but so I, you, I have no idea what, what his life is like now. 
So you contact the mini mega church and you go, hey, just so just so you know, that guy's really into spanking and uh, I met him on FetLife and he lied to me and um, you can make a very strong argument that he violated my, uh, violated me in a legal way. Consent. Yeah. I didn't want to like be vindictive. Um, I, and so I like really thought, I thought was like, should I say anything? And after a year, I said, hi, like, I'm not trying to be vindictive. I just am concerned about someone in a role of power um, who I experienced, like, took advantage of me. And I just think that, like, if he's going to be in a role of power and authority, like, this should be known. Um, and I said, this happened to me a year ago. I didn't share it at the time because I was, I feared for my safety. I live in a different place now. And I just want to make this known. Because if he is going to be in a role of authority, like, he needs help. There's just, you know, a big history of, and then they just basically said back, like, thank you so much. We'll, we'll, we'll handle this. And who knows if they actually handled it, but. Well, I'm glad you oh, did, I did that. My part. You did your part. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's really awful. And I'm glad to hear that now you've met the love of your life and it's somebody who's above board and who's ready to explore the wonderful world of spanking together with honesty and consent. <laughs> he's wonderful. Well, that's the thing, right? Is yeah, like, he's wonderful. I would have to imagine, and again, I'm never trying to judge, but you just have to imagine that someone who's a pastor in a mega church is probably someone who speaks about sexual deviancy. And it just goes to show you how damaging that is because you can find someone else who's into what you're into. And as long as you're not hurting anybody else, you can explore it and have a good time. But if you spend your whole life shouting about how deviants are going to burn in hell... Well, now you have to be secret. Now you have to become a liar. And that makes it so much worse. Now you're a deviant who's also a deceptive yep. liar. Just go spank. Like the guy from uh, Liberty University. Oh, yeah. Falwell. He's got a... Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. If you're into the whole... Uh, if you're into that, you're into that. But you can't, you can't spend your whole life demonizing yeah. everybody else for their stuff and then have your own stuff. And everybody's got their stuff. So let each other have your stuff and enjoy your stuff. Everybody enjoy your stuff and don't Absolutely. apologize for your stuff. Find the other people who like your stuff and then have fun. Then you feel real good. That's and why I love being a weirdy now. Cause like I am someone who like, I'm an emotional nudist, explain. you know, like you have a minute and a half to explain. <laughs> I let my emotions out there. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I like, like to, I just like to, be who I am and not have to hide who I am, whether that's emotionally or like, like this is me, who I am at work, who I am at home. Like, obviously I'm more like appropriate at work. I'm not just going to whip out my like fetish, all my coworkers, but you know what I mean? Like I am who I am, who I am, wherever I am. And I don't need to change based on the location I am in. And like, it's just such a easier life. You know, it's not like I never have to worry about who's at this party or who's there because I am the same person, no matter no matter who I am, where I am. Does that make sense? It does. You're just a person who lives your life, punches in, works hard, both at school and in retail. And then when you get behind closed doors, you like to get out the flog and explore a little bit. And you don't have to hide, you don't have to feel any <laughs> guilt or shame because you embrace it. You don't hide it. Get out the flog and go to town. Wouldn't it be world be so much better if we all just like we all just were a little more? emotionally nudist you know if we all just like shared ourselves and like could be who we are and just like god yeah yeah i mean we got 10 seconds of and i'll say not everybody's in not everybody out there is a spanko but everybody's got their own thing and no. anytime somebody asks you to hide who you are it's going to do some damage so don't do it absolutely okay Thank you so much, Chris. Please, thank you. Well, my, I finally got to talk with you. My spanko weirdy uh, progeny of <laughs> of the psychic realm. Thank you for talking to me. All right, you have a wonderful day and enjoy your safety in quarantine. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Caller, thank you so much for calling. You really know how to get a tail out there into the world. Got to spin a yarn. Thank you for sharing with us about all the uh, things you've seen and done. 
Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you, Anita Flores. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the music. ChrisGeth.com. I'm starting to go out on the road again. You can find dates there. If you like the show on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Hit follow on Spotify. Hit favorite on Stitcher. Those things help us out a lot. And our entire back catalog is on Stitcher Premium. StitcherPremium.com slash stories for more details. Thanks for listening.